0: Again, smmarketingsociety.com.
1: Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner.
0: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. We believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Paul Culligan, and we're going to talk about how to get started with podcasting and how to build a podcast that establishes trust for your business or your brand. So be sure to stick around if you're thinking about getting into the emerging hot space of podcasting. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you do not miss any of our future content. Are you a marketer or entrepreneur expected to be everywhere and do everything while growing revenue for your company or clients? Email, social media, customer service, they're all screaming for your attention, but there's only so much you can do. There's got to be a better way. What if you could automate your end to end customer experience? Would you be open to change? Your solution is Active Campaign, the email marketing, marketing automation, CRM, and customer support solution that creates incredible customer experiences. Active Campaign helps businesses grow by automating important tasks. Here's how it works. Number one, pre-built automations. ActiveCampaign simplifies email follow-up, cart abandonment reminders, gated content delivery, and much more with hundreds of free built-in automations. Number two, machine learning. ActiveCampaign's AI system predicts the best time to send emails that get opened and clicked, and it reveals prospects that are most likely to turn into customers. Number three, extensive integrations. Active Campaign works flawlessly with Salesforce, Shopify, WooCommerce, Facebook, Google Analytics, and hundreds of popular software platforms. Isn't it time you stop working so hard? Let go of all of your other marketing tools and invest in a platform that actually works for you. Start your free 14-day trial by visiting ActiveCampaign.com SME. Again, visit ActiveCampaign.com slash SME. You support this show by checking out our sponsors. And now for this week's interview with Paul Culligan.
1: Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide.
0: Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Paul Culligan. If you don't know who Paul is, you need to know who he is. He's a podcast strategist and founder of The Podcast Partnerships, an agency that helps small businesses produce profitable podcasts. He's host of The Podcast Report and a regular speaker at Social Media Marketing World. Paul, welcome to your debut appearance on The Social Media Marketing Podcast.
1: Man, thank you so much for having me.
0: So today, Paul and I are going to explore how you can build a podcast that helps grow your business. So, Paul, you and I have been friends for a very long time, but a lot of people might not know who you are in my audience. So I would love you to tell us your backstory on how in the world you got into podcasting. Start wherever you want
1: to start. Oh, man, we're going to date me here, aren't we? (laughs) Remember that old uh, Conan O'Brien sketch in the year 2000? Uh, Which one? Well, guess what? This starts in the year 2000. Okay. So I was downtown Portland working at a consulting job. Uh, Great pay, but it was sucking the life out of me. And I got an email from Don Katz of Audible. And they were doing this really cool thing back in the early days where they would take the oldest customers, you know, not age wise, but spend money with them wise and uh, buy them dinner. And so I got dinner with Don Katz of Audible, you know, free steak, free genius, you know, it was, it was phenomenal. And I go and great guy, brilliant guy, amazing guy. And he gave me this vision in the year 2000 for distributed audio you know, way, way, way before podcasting, way, way, way before a bunch of things, even before streaming was that popular, which is part of what Audible was at the time, gave me this vision. And, oh man, Mike, I want it in. I want it in bad. And I wanted in so bad that I even steered the conversation to that. I'm like, Don, how do I get in? How do I get in? He's like, oh yeah, there's our independent publisher model. And it was a half a million dollars to get in. And it was, you know, they got 70%. We got 30. Oh man. <laughs> exactly. But here's the thing, Mike, Tom Clancy, Hunt for Red October. They were doing it. And there was this little upcoming book about a boy wizard from England. You know, they were doing it. And like, I mean, if these guys are doing it, you know, I can't negotiate. I can't do anything. So I walked away from that meeting full of steak, you know, never bad, inspired to the future of audio, but. A bit defeated because it wasn't within my grasp I, I I couldn't do it. I you know, and it was weird, weird feeling. Don and I have kept you know in touch over the years and and whatnot, but there it was. and then in two thousand and four, Adam Curry, the MTV VJ of all things, starts to talk about this thing called podcasting and I realized, Mike, I can play audible and I can play audible for the price of web hosting, not half a million and not they get 70%, you know? And I realized, wow, this is it. So immediately I jumped on board, I got so excited about it, and I always saw it from a business distributed content model, not the early days of nerd, RSS, and closure things that a lot of the people got into it too. So from the very beginning, it was always a, it's a business application. Um, it was a service application. And, you know, from there, I went a little crazy. Tell us more. A couple years later, you know, I start teaching it everywhere. And it's funny, if you if you search YouTube, you will find a four by three standard resolution of video of me teaching something in, uh, well, San Diego called the New Media Content Creation Model. It was an event I was doing with a bunch of social media types. There was this person from Facebook, you know, maybe you remember her. And there were some others. And, 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 and we got together at this event and teaching it from day one. Wrote a book, Business Podcasting Bible. The book came out a year and a half before the iPhone did. Book's still for sale. And about every week, I get an email from somebody who says, man, I read your book. I love your vision. But you don't mention the iPhone. You know, and I'm like, hey guys, look, look at the copyright date on the book. You know, and there is a reason why the uh, iPod on the front cover of the book is, you know, one of the classic iPods and not the iPhone. Started doing it for businesses. At the beginning, businesses were curious: how do I do it? What what's the technical side of it? What kind of microphone do I buy? Where do I host that kind of thing? But then it moved to all right. How do I make this part of my business? How do I make this, you know, how do I see an ROI on this? How do I serve my audience with this? How does this become the larger part of what we're doing and really have not looked back? The podcast partnership is my company and it is, you know, 99.99% podcast management for a bunch of different companies on, on a bunch of different levels. Who are you working with? Or what kinds of companies? You know, what kinds of prospects? Who's your ideal customer? Yeah, sure. The, the the audience is is really all over. It's you know, which is of course the worst possible thing to say in an interview. But it's specifically people with a budget who are looking to see an ROI on their podcast. So we've got some health experts with uh, products and services to sell. We've got some business consultants with products and services to sell. I work with a lot of financial planners, which is kind of interesting. They've got business and processes to sell and work with some guru and, you know, thought leadership types who are really wanting to leverage and look at the numbers and track things to figure out what's out there. You will typically never see any of our clients in the top 100 of iTunes, unless it's launch time. And then of course, you know, launch time we have a great fun with, but you'll see ROI that surpasses what other people are seeing, you know, 100,000 times, different models. So it's a a cool thing that I can say that, but it's a different model. Well,
0: Paul is someone I've known for a long time. I met him actually at an event in San Diego, and you weren't talking about podcasting back then. You were talking about scheduling social posts. I actually remember because you thought it was so exciting that there were tools out there that would allow you to streamline the process, right? And I even faintly remember that uh, the first couple of people who raised their hand got some sort of a. USB thumb drive with a bunch of stuff on it. And, uh, that was an event where Mari Smith was at. And that's where I first yep. met her. That's where I first met you. That would yep. have been about 2008, I think. Uh, cause yep. it was the next year that I started social media examiner. Yep. Really my first foray into, into social marketing it was a tiny little event. And, um, I can't even remember exactly where it was. It might've even been in a, at a restaurant or something like that.
1: It was a hotel chain, like a best Western or something.
0: Yeah. It was at a hotel. That's
1: right. Yeah. Well, it's funny, Mike, I actually looked up, this is how long I've been in it. I actually dug up my old notes from that event and I did mention podcasting, but so briefly, it was so early in the day that nobody was going to identify that scheduling social media they were going to talk about and the new media content creation model they were going to talk about. They weren't going to talk about podcasting. So I mentioned it slightly, but no, it was not about podcasting.
0: So Paul to this day has really put his flag in the podcasting ground. And what I love about you, Paul, is you really try to take people who have already garnered some level of success somewhere else and bring them into the podcasting universe. And I think you do it with excellence. And that's part of the reason why I've got you here today. So I guess my first really big question is there's a lot of marketers listening to this podcast that are not focused on podcasting other than listening to this podcast, right? They're focused on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or Snapchat or TikTok. So what do you wanna say to those marketers? Why should they consider getting into podcasting? What advantages are there for them?
1: Oh, great. There's three big ones and these are absolutely true for marketers. First of all, podcasting is an amazing place to put ads. Because the consumption of podcasting is very different than the podcasting of other uh, than the consumption of other things. Facebook, we know we scroll through it on the phone. We see if anything catches our eye. You know, that that's why you teach so much on, on movement and these types of things. A lot of the places we go, we dip in. I mean, TikTok is by its very nature, dip in, dip out, dip in, dip out. But what's interesting about podcasting is with the consumption, people will spend 30 minutes with you. People will spend an hour with you and they'll do that on a regular basis. So instead of jump in, jump out, skip, go around, they're with you for the journey. So it's an amazing place to put ads. And what's amazing is it's an amazing place to put your own ad if you're selling your own thing like many of my clients do, but it's also an amazing place to put the ads of someone else. Mike, the people who have joined you to sponsor this show are not doing it because they got the best deal. They're doing it because they know the intimacy of your show. They know that people spend an hour with Mike every week. They would be
0: there. Yeah. And just a little bit more on that, on uh, this is really influencer marketing, right? So if you think about exactly. how many podcasts are out there and and the loyal audience that they've all developed, yes. the idea that you can be in front of that audience pretty rapidly yes. for a price is actually very valuable for some marketers that are listening right now. Exactly. And it's not that complicated. You just go to their website and they probably have a link and that's how you can figure out how to do all that. So, so for those that don't want to go ahead and do ads, but they want to actually make a podcast, what's the advantage to actually starting one?
1: Well, then there is number two, there is an intimacy that you're going to get in a podcast that you're not going to get anywhere else. Mike, when it comes down to it, you know how Facebook makes their money? With ads. By selling your audience to your competition. Mm. You know how YouTube makes their money? by selling your audience to your competition. Instagram makes their money by selling your audience to your competition. Apple makes their money by selling iPhones and iMacs and you know all the computers and that kind of stuff. But the whole infrastructure is very, very different. You get intimacy. You don't get a thousand things at once. Whenever you listen to a podcast, there aren't things all around you of all the other podcasts you can listen to. There's an intimacy in podcasting that's absolutely fantastic. And anybody who wants to build a brand, anybody who wants to build an audience, anybody who wants to build trust, intimacy is a huge key part of it. And podcasting just does it really, really well. And we'll we'll chat a little bit about more here. But number three in the why should we category here is it's an amazing place to find your voice. When you are, you know, I don't know, force might be too strong of a word. When you're putting out an hour's worth of content every week. You have to figure out who you are. You have to figure out what you stand for. You have to figure out who your audience is. And as you figure that out and take your audience with you, it's an amazing journey. And so three reasons. It's an amazing place to put ads. Number two, the intimacy that it breeds is just incomparable to anything else. And number three, it's an amazing, amazing place to find your voice.
0: Yeah. And I just want to throw a couple other advantages to podcasting, depending on what kind of show you do. If you do an interview show, for example, you can actually develop great relationships with other people that could form partnerships downstream, for example.
1: Or come to your events, for example.
0: That's right. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of no secret, I don't think. Well, maybe it is not a secret now, but most of the people that speak at Social Media Marketing World happen to have been on this podcast. Surprise, surprise. Because it allows me to get to know them. Yeah. You know, and there's things that I do to kind of make sure that I do that. Maybe we'll talk about that later. I also... Just a little story, and and you may have heard this story before, but back before I was a podcaster, I was a blogger, and I would go to events, and people would say, hey, I really love your blog. And then when I became a podcaster, people would say, I really love your podcast. And there is something special about where people are when they're listening to you. Like some right now are on an airplane listening to us, Paul. Some right now are actually on a commute to a stressful job that they do not like, some are walking the dog, some are doing the dishes, some are students trying to augment what they're not learning in college. I mean, like you have no idea how this is a great alternative to listening to music for a lot of people. And this will empower a lot of people to do a lot of creative things. And that is something that should not be discounted. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about some of the big mistakes, right? Because you've seen it all. And we're going to get into things that you should do to start a podcast a little bit later. But what are some of the mistakes that you see people make when it comes to starting a podcast that maybe we can tell everyone not to do right now?
1: Well, number one. I mean, let's admit it. podcast is exciting. I mean, if you, you know, wow, I could be at apple.com. People could buy an iPhone and, and they could listen to what it is that I have to say. People get excited. And that excitement sometimes distracts you from the absolute need. And mistake number one with a bullet is not serving your audience first. You know, we get so excited with getting things out or getting things loud or getting the right music or doing this or doing that. Not streaming audience first is number one. And I have a mutual friend story to tell you, Mike, that I don't think I've ever told you. And, and this one's just a, just a blast that I think sums things up. So I missed the first podcast movement event. I was just somewhere else during the time and I missed it. And I was living vicariously. And, of course, the way you live vicariously, you know, from an event is, of course, through the podcast that are recorded at the event and I was listening to Dave Jackson's School of Podcasting. I knew Dave would report well. And Dave has this little segment called The Last Five and Five. And The Last Five and Five is he grabs people and he asks, what are the last five podcasts you listen to? Not what are the best five podcasts, not what are the most important five podcasts, You know, but what are the last five podcasts that you listen to? And it's a great way to tell where people are at. And I saw in the show notes that Dave was going to ask our mutual friend Lou Mangello. And to know Lou is to love Lou. Lou's just one of the greatest people I know out there. And he's been at your event pretty much every year.
0: We should say, yeah, Walt Disney, WDW yeah. Radio Podcast, I think is the name of it, which is all about Walt Disney World.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lou just cannot help but put a smile on your face. So I heard that Lou, I was going to find out what Lou listens to. And, and so I jumped to that part in the podcast. I'm really excited. And uh, Dave sets it up. And then Lou says, well, let me see the last thing I listen to as well. I mean, Paul's show. And, you know, my heart just jumped a beat. I'm like, Lou listens to me. This is so cool. I'm the last thing you listen to. And then Dave, you know, says, well, why? And Lou says, well, being a podcaster, I need to learn what's happening in the industry, but I don't have a lot of time. Paul gets in. Paul gives me what I need. And Paul gets out and I love him for it. See, I'm serving my audience first. And to get that type of reaction, Mike, you serve your audience. That's why people not only love the blog, but they love the show. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to get famous people on the interview or I'm going to put a lot of ads or I'm going to spend five minutes on a big, noisy introduction or that kind of thing. Number one mistake is not serving your audience first.
0: Yeah. And that really does mean the flip side of that is what don't
1: promote. Right. (laughs) Well, don't over promote and don't go too crazy. Tell them who you are once. Well, first of all, they should know who you are if they're coming to your show. You know, yeah, you don't need to spend a lot of time telling them how great you are because they're there.
0: Yeah, and I've seen some other podcasters that are friends of mine that will go nameless where they always start with their little story of who they are. They just assume that the audience wants to know a 60 second, here's who I am. Exactly. But the truth is they don't care about that at all. All they want to do is hear exactly what they came for, right?
1: Yeah, prepping for this mic, I I went to time how long the intro is for your show because you do it so well. And uh, it's 13 seconds. And that doesn't include the little mic before and after the mic come up with it with the ads in the intro.
0: And that's arguably long, by the way. That's on the long side.
1: <laughs> it's arguably long, but you do explain. You know what we we say in podcasting, you know, the only radio station that matters anymore is W I I F M. Right. What's in it for me? And you explain to people, I'm gonna help you navigate the social media jungle. Yeah. You know, and that's it. You know, not who Mike is, not Mike's backstory, not all these things. You know, we can do it when we interview him on other shows, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So not streaming your audience. Number two,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not tracking your results. And your results are so much more than downloads. Oh, my goodness. And people, what do you mean, isn't downloads the ultimate result? Well, no. Think about it. If, if a million people download your show and all million of them hang up in five minutes, you've just insulted a million people. Right. You just had a million people go, yeah, I'm not interested. Like, that's not the win. You got to track your results and you got to affect change from that. And internally at the, the partnership, it's it's no secret. We ask four questions. Number one, what do you want the podcast to do? Number two, how do you know if it's doing it? You know, and that number two is huge. You know, how do you know if it's doing it? And if it can't be tracked, maybe you should be looking to do something else. So number two is not tracking results.
0: Okay, now hold on a second. You said four questions. Let's get the last three in there because people are going to like attack me for not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So number one, what do you want the podcast to do? Yeah. Number two how we know the podcast is doing it. And sometimes it's really easy. Like just give the podcast a different phone number than your regular phone number and send that phone number to a, a system that tracks or heck, send it to a cell phone. And then just know every time you pick up the cell phone, they're coming from the podcast. And it doesn't need to be complicated. Have a special link that's only on the podcast. Have a special coupon that's only on the podcast. Not that complicated. Number three, is it doing it? And you'd be surprised how few people even go that far. That's cool. And what's number four? And number four is, how do we do it more? How do we do it better? (laughs) You know, and and, it's just not that complicated. So what do you want it to do? How do we know that it's doing it? Is it doing it? How do we do it better? That's it. Those are the four questions.
0: And marketers, you should be applying
1: these questions to every every
0: piece of content you create, because that's really, really cool.
1: Again, I've had people ask me, oh man, that's amazing. I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's really at its core common sense, but you know, thanks.
0: Any other mistakes before we move on to my next question about how
1: this could be a subset of one, depending on how you're looking at it, but putting anything before the content that doesn't serve the audience, like the long introduction, like, and by the way, when you said the 60 minute intro about who they are, that's being nice. A lot of people go five, six minutes into, into who they are putting anything before the content. Big mistake.
0: Yeah. We should clarify. There is one exception to this, which would be if you have a relatively large show and you have what's called a pre-roll ad, right? Meaning you've established an audience. That's where you can insert an ad before you actually get started. But we're talking about getting started here, right? So, Absolutely. you know, I didn't have any ads that I can recall on my podcast for a long, long while, you know, because I wanted just to establish that audience because this is another mistake, right? Which is immediately you're going to put ads right into your podcast, assuming down the road, you're going to be huge and you want that in the old podcast. But I think it's far more important to establish a subscribe or what we now call a follow, Right. Cause yep. every podcast is kind of a, if you will, an ad it's in its own right for them to consume more of your podcast, right, Paul? Oh yeah. And if that podcast comes across as super valuable, so valuable that they want to re-listen to it or take notes or forward it to someone else, then that increases the likelihood that they will actually want to download more of your shows, follow your show and become a regular raving fan. And that's why it's so important to make sure that you're just delivering pure value. Right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Okay. So now we've gotten through like, hey, make sure you're serving your audience, make sure you're tracking your results, and make sure that you're not putting anything at the front of your show that's going to distract anybody. So now let's talk about when we're about to start a podcast. The goal here really is to build trust, right? Because that's what we're here to talk about is how can we build trust and ultimately grow our business? So what do we need to be thinking about when we're starting a podcast that can
1: help us build trust? Okay. First of all, I got a really easy hack. That so few people take into mind that it's just kind of silly. The most obvious hack is the clear title. Okay. You know, when you have an episode called episode 537, an interview with Paul Colligan, Hmm. the only person who cares is my mom, (laughs) you know, but most people do that. Right. You know, and most people have titles that, you know, they try to get cute. They try to get creative. They think they're going to win an award for, the, you know, the, the best title or something. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Your podcast episode title should be what's in it for them. I love this. And by the way, if you don't know what's in it for them, maybe you shouldn't publish that episode. Yeah. So clear title, most obvious.
0: Well, and just a little tip on title. You know, I've seen so many shows where it just says interview with expert X. Oh, I know. And that's only good if you know who that person is, right? Right. So if the interview with expert X is like 10 tips to increase your leads, you know, using LinkedIn, for example, then call it that, you know, because that's going to be more attractive to an audience that doesn't know
1: who that person is. Yeah. No matter how big you think they are. And as cool as that expert is, and Mike, you get the best of the best at your show, and that's why I'm always there. No matter how cool that interviewee is, no matter how fantastic that expert is, the content's still more important. Yep. Okay. So going back to building trust, what else, you know, what else do we need to know? Okay, so one of the things for trust is you got to think about your show. Are you looking for them to listen every week or are you looking for them to look at you almost like a cafeteria line? You know, give me a little LinkedIn marketing, you know, with the side of Facebook ads, but hold the YouTube. You know what I mean? Okay. One of the things you want to look at is, do you want a show narrative? Do you want a reason for people to listen every week. Now, don't manipulate them into listening every week. Just make the kind of show that people wanna to listen to every week, then you get that weekly connection. And I'll tell you, that weekly connection is worth its weight in gold. If somebody goes, oh, you know, I haven't checked in with Mike any here, let me see if there's any if there's anything interesting. That's helpful, but what's a lot more helpful is what is Mike gonna do this week? So the biggest payoff in building trust is build a show narrative. Have things that connect the episodes to each other. Get it to a point where someone, your audience, who you're serving's week is not complete unless they've listened to your show.
0: How do you do that? How do you connect the shows to each other?
1: A lot of times it's really, really easy. If you've actually spent some time designing the show and you know who's next week and you know why it's important, you Mm. tell people that.
0: Got it. Yeah. I've never done that. I definitely do like that. Like, you know, at the end where they'll say, Hey, next week we've got so-and-so you're going to want to be sure to catch that episode kind of thing. I've never done it just because I don't know why I just don't know why, but it's, it's for sure something I probably should do after almost 500 episodes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the thing is I would dare say, Mike, a little bit to you, th- there is a bit of a narrative because it it does come to the show and your online events and some of the things that you're doing. So you get a bit of that by default. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's ways to do that. Um, you can have questions. You, you know, we asked the big question this week, we'll answer it next week. You know, we have uh, what did people think about last week's show? And they can call in and they can leave a voicemail message, and people call in to see if they were heard about. Yeah. You know, you can break things over two pieces. You know, you could have, you know, in the month of September, we're gonna be doing TikTok tips. TikTok mm. tips. There we go. That that's some Fun alliteration, you know, and so even though the four episodes in September might be LinkedIn, YouTube, you know, some fancy new network. But if somebody listens, they know there's a TikTok tip in all of September. They might come back to that. You just think about it. I mean, what do you want? And if, if you can get somebody to listen to every week, oh, man, fantastic stuff. That's the biggest payoff.
0: Yeah, you mentioned earlier that uh, not serving your audience is something that we should avoid. So how do we understand and serve our audience? Talk to me about that a little bit.
1: Well. So we ask around here, we ask everyone what your episode KFD is. And the episode KFD, KFD stands for know, feel, and do. Every episode should have a very specific, if they walk away knowing one thing, what is that one thing that you want them to know? And I always love talking to social media people because here's your hack on the one thing you want them to know, it should fit in a tweet. Okay, we'll talk about this episode. We'll talk about the KFD a little bit later. But what do you want your audience to know? Because by the way, if your answer is, well, that my interview is a really cool gal, that's not serving your audience. Right, <laughs> you right. know? If, if you want them to know that I'm really smart, and I'm really connected, because I've, I've got this person on my show, that's not really serving your audience. If they walk away knowing one thing, what is that one thing? And it should be a tweet. And many people actually start their outlines with that tweet before they do anything else. So what do you want them to know? Now, the next thing you want, and this goes back to the intimacy of this, is what do you want them to feel? And not in a manipulative way, but in a truly intellectual, you know, knowledge without impact is minimal. You know, knowledge by itself, that's what Google's for. Nobody goes to Google walking away with a good feeling. So on the show now that they've got this knowledge, what is the feeling that goes with this knowledge? Now, Mike, you do this. I don't know if you've ever gone through this process in your mind, but a lot of times, your feeling that I get from you is inspiration that this this is attainable. Mm. You know, a lot of times people will take a certain time. Oh, I don't get TikTok. Then Mike brings on somebody who. Wait a minute, I do get TikTok. You know, or Mike brings on someone that I'm like, I can't do that. And then that person brings on a, you know, you know, a quick hack or a quick way to, wait a minute, I can do that. So what do you want them to feel? Because knowledge without impact, who cares? Who cares? So what do you want them to know? What do you want them to feel? And then what do you want them to do? And if this is in true service and not manipulative, you know, if your do is buy my product, you, you've you done something wrong. But what do you want them to do. If they have a take home, it's more real. Now, sometimes the do might even be sharing a story that you heard from this, Mm -hmm. ask a hard question to a friend, you know, spend five minutes journaling. And to be honest with you, it might even be the do might be the subscribe rate and review stuff that we see on so many podcasts, but you got to give them a reason to. Nothing's worse than going to a website that says subscribe to my newsletter you know, without explaining <laughs> what's in the newsletter for them and why it would make their life better. Or, the, or you know, and I, I love it when I hear a podcast that I don't know who the person is. I don't know who the guest is. I don't know what the content is. I don't know what the quality is. And they start asking me to subscribe. No. What do you want them to know? What do you want them to feel? What do you want them to do?
0: Well, here's a question. I love what you just said, but I want to go back to how do I know what they want me to tell them? <laughs> like part of what you said is you know. You need to serve your audience. But this is the tricky part, Paul. When it comes to podcasting, we kind of don't know who's listening, right? So, how in the world do we understand who that audience is so we can serve them? Because the truth is that it could be just about anybody. So, do you recommend surveys? Do you recommend making some assumptions about who that audience is that they're similar to our customer base? Because the truth is, it's trickier to understand who is listening to the podcast because the data is a little bit nebulous.
1: Absolutely, absolutely what you just said, but here's what we can do that's really interesting. We can do a couple of low-level things and then let's go with the high-level things. What's interesting is, if you take a true title that serves the audience, you know, 10 ways to maximize your LinkedIn experience. Okay. You know, seven steps to YouTube dominance. If you do that, one thing that'll happen that's really interesting, and by the way, Apple now, inside of their analytics, has a, a process to do this. So you, do, you can even do it without having to run a spreadsheet anymore. What's going to happen that's really interesting is, is at the end of the month, one of those episodes is going to be downloaded twice as much as the other episodes. Especially in the early days, when people are just looking for titles and when people don't know who you are and that kind of thing. You're going to see bumps. You're going to see bumps in titles. And what's interesting there is that's like the headline. We do this in email. We do this in Facebook ads. We do this in Google ads. We do this in YouTube ads. You know, w- what gets their attention? So the very first thing you can do is just look at this. So if you think your audience needs X, Y, and Z, do an episode about X, do an episode about Y, do an episode about Z. And what's going to interesting is some of them are going to be downloaded more than others. So that's the thing you can do with whatever your host is. Take a look at those numbers. Now, what's interesting, Mike, is you can now inside of Apple, Spotify, Google, and Pandora's coming soon. You can see how far they listened.
0: Meaning you can see duration during the episode. What do you mean by how far?
1: Duration and where they dropped, you know, and what they skipped and this type of stuff. And this is amazing because think about it. If a hundred people downloaded your show and they all listened to the end, bam, winner, winner, chicken dinner.
0: By the way, that's going to be unusual.
1: <laughs> well, I have a client who averages over 100%. That's really rare. Yeah. A, remarkable. Absolutely. But it's a six-minute show, hmm. you know? <laughs> that
0: explains things, yes.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, you know, but it's a one-a-day tip and comes out six days a week and it absolutely works, but we know that they consume. Now, what was funny was this client actually started with, we. it was an interview show, the people are listening to about 40, 45%, which by the way, on an interview show, on a typical one, that's that's not that bad. But what she was realizing was that about halfway through, most of the audience was going, now I'm good. And she did not want that feeling. You know, she wanted that feeling of, no, I want more, I want more. So we jumped to that. So so you can see where they jump. And here's what's funny, Mike. You might have an episode that is downloaded three times more than any of your of your other episodes, but was listened to one-third less than your other episodes. So what happens is, is you've identified an interest, you've identified a need, you've identified a theme, you've identified something that your audience wants, you just didn't do it well.
0: So what I'm hearing you say is, and this goes back to what you talked about some of the mistakes earlier, is that once you start releasing content, you need to look at not just your downloads, but also the duration of time. And Apple has, I think, you know, Apple, Spotify are all really good. They'll show you exactly how long they're listening, right? So you could have a really juicy title, but once they start listening to it, they drop off immediately. But the goal is to try to find that content match to the title and how long they're sticking around. And then that can inform what other kinds of content you might want to produce. That's really what I'm hearing you say, right? Yep. So there's a logical next question to this, which is, you kind of mentioned interviews versus other kinds of things. Let's talk about the pros and cons, because there are some people listening right now that maybe are pondering doing a solo show versus an interview show. So help Me, understand, help our audience understand what are the advantages to each and disadvantages.
1: Solo show. The best thing about a solo show is that you have total control. No navigation of recording times, no editing out, things that they said that wasn't a value to your audience. No, having that awkward call with somebody going, you know, after listening to the interview, we're not publishing this one,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, and you've, you've had that before, Mike. And so have I,
0: I've never actually had that happen. Believe it or not.
1: Well, you've done prep. See your prep is so good. We'll
0: come back to that. Okay. Keep yeah. Going. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. We've had it Yeah, when it's solo you're in control. And that is very, very powerful. And, you know, one of the things that come to mind was, you know, Mark Mason, late night internet marketing, He he's always usually running, moderating one of your tracks. It seems like I see him every single time at, at, at your events. You know, Mark's, the reason it calls late night internet marketing is because he does it after the day job and he comes back and he's got to do the, the thing at night. And at night, you know, I don't know about you, Mike, I don't do a lot of 9.30 PM podcast interviews. That's another good point. You can record it whenever you want. Is what You can record you it say. whenever you want, wherever you want, how many you want at a time. You can decide that this is bad. You can do it again. You could take a break. A lot of control.
0: Now, wait, let's talk about the downside of a solo yeah. episode. There's a lot <laughs> yep. of downside. So what's yep. the
1: downside to it? Well, I mean, number one is the obvious one. It's all you. Yeah. You know. <laughs>
0: that's a huge burden sometimes for some of us, right? To create, not for you, Paul, not for you because you can talk on anything. But for me, I have only done a few because I feel like, my gosh, it's like putting a presentation together. For me, it's a lot harder. What are the other downsides?
1: It's absolutely harder to keep them engaged. The one hack I'd say, I mean, you're absolutely right. Everything you said is absolutely true. The one thing I would say is we have seen when people have you know, a lot of times people get up in the morning, they flip on their mic and they go, Whoa, "What do I got? What do I got?" That never goes well at all. Right. It's when somebody takes the journal to the coffee shop or the pub or wherever and journals out the next twelve episodes.
0: Yeah, somebody who you know, does a great job at solo episode is Amy Porterfield. So generally, Amy. Another
1: job, but yeah. boy, talk to Amy.
0: Seth <laughs> Godin does, does too. Seth Godin <laughs> does too. Okay, so both yeah. Seth and Amy have been on my yeah. show, and Seth told me that he. The way he does it, he blogs almost every day. So he's got so much stuff in his brain and he's so good. He just goes in his shower and he's got like in the guest bathroom, he's got a little shower area he goes into with his laptop and he just records and then he, he just riffs. <laughs> now, Amy is totally different. Amy has a script. Okay. So yep. if she's reading. Sometimes you can't tell, but she's absolutely reading. And that's the difference between the two.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. And then just the last thing is a single voice is harder to keep him engaged.
0: That's true. You got to be entertaining then, right? Yeah. That's why these solo shows tend to be shorter shows, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: By the way, one other big advantage to the solo model is your personal branding could go through the roof, right? So oh yeah. oh yeah. Amy Porterfield and Seth Godin have amazing personal brands. Amy sometimes does interviews, but predominantly she does not. And if your goal is to build up a personal brand for yourself and you have a lot of insights inside of you, well, then this is absolutely 100% a no brainer for you to do. Right. But if you work for a business and it's not about you and your personal brand, maybe this alternative might work. So let's talk about the interview.
1: Yep. Interview. I mean, the best of the interview is unlimited content. I mean, there are so many people willing to be on your show. It isn't even funny. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is people who wouldn't give you the time of day would gladly come on your show, which still amazes me. Why do you think that is? Well, I think because, you know, despite podcasting's decade plus life, um, it still seems to be the hot new thing. And people know, you know, well, I'm not just talking to Paul. I'm talking to Paul and Paul's audience. I'm not just talking to Mike. I'm talking to Mike and Mike's audience. So, you know, they see it as a distribution model for them. Sadly, there are a number who are like, well, if I promote something, I have to go on shows. They never ask how many people listen to the show, how far they listen, that kind of thing. There's a whole industry of people who have shows just to get interviews from other people because then they can get other. It's a mess out there. So there's this promise of getting on a show and all the distribution that comes from it. And I know your numbers, Mike, and your numbers are impressive. And getting on your show, it goes out to a lot of people. And in some cases, you know, if it's just the right people, you know, I I love, you know, I I grab an audience and I go, raise your hand if you'd be excited if one person listened to your show. And everybody just looks at me disgusted and go, but what if that one person was Oprah Winfrey? What if that one person was the Dalai Lama? What if that one person was Mark Zuckerberg? You know, we want impact, right. not downloads. Right. And so, you know, the best is, is unlimited content. There is a never-ending source of people who will come and be on your show.
0: Yeah, but a couple more things before we go to the negative side. It's a great way to develop strategic relationships, as I mentioned earlier, right? Like a lot of people that are really smart about this are like, okay, come up with my list, of my dream list, right? Of my top 30 people that I would love to develop relationships with. And I want to try to recruit them onto the show. And the goal is once you get on someone's show and you have a conversation with someone else, and by the way, conversations are much easier to listen to, right? This is far more entertaining than just Paul rambling and no offense, Paul, no offense to you, Paul, because you don't know what's going to happen next. And hopefully there's some coherent dialogue that we're following, some trend line that we're following. But developing that relationship is really powerful. Like I can't tell you how many people have become friends of mine now as a result of being on the podcast. And that is advantageous down road when you're trying to build things or you're trying to get feedback from other people or you want to learn things. It's just very, very powerful. So there's other benefits to it as well. But you want to talk about some of the downsides to it?
1: Yeah. Well, the downside is a lot of times you have to navigate agendas, Smart agendas, <laughs> non-smart agendas. What do you
0: mean by agendas? Do you mean the guests' agenda?
1: Well, yeah, the guest who like, oh, I'm going to sell, sell, sell. I'm not going to serve, serve, serve. You know, and sometimes it's something like they got a new book, you know, and they got to promote the new book and or they got an event that they're doing or a course or an event or something like that. But what happens is, is sometimes the book might not be best for your audience, And you got to find something for them, but you got to find something for your audience and and that kind of thing. And sometimes this leads to the same old content being done over and over again. Now, let me tell you something that happened to me recently that was just absolutely brilliant. Shaleen Johnson calls. And when Shaleen Johnson calls, you answer the phone. And Shaleen says, Paul, I want you to be on my show. Great. (laughs) Tell me when. Am I flying down to San Diego? What am I doing? And she says, but here's the deal. I only want new stuff. And I only want new stuff that you're not going to talk about anywhere else for 60 days.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: Ooh, smart. And so I did it and I worked my butt off and I actually got some crazy leads from it. And it was It was a win-win-win all across the board. But what was funny was, see, the other thing that happens in podcasting, people have this misnomer that like, if I get on your show, I'll start promoting your show. Well, the problem is if you do the same old boring thing over and over and over again, You know, Mike, how many shows you've been on where somebody asks is social media good? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like, and are you ever going to go to Twitter? Hey guys, I did an interview on social media being good. Like you're, you're not going to promote that show. You're not going to promote that episode. But when I did this with Shalene, now, because she had the hold on that content, I was now promoting, well guys, all my latest stuff is on this new episode of the Shalene show. Very cool. And it was a win-win.
0: And by the way, the interview show, I think, is the predominant way most people are going to start with podcasting. Are you finding this to be true, Paul? Because it's the path of least resistance. It's the easiest way in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's funny is that thing I said at the beginning about a place to find your voice. You know, I have met people, you know, I have clients who moved away from the interview show to the solo show because they found their voice in the interview process.
0: That's right. And it doesn't matter. Like you could start out with the interview show and then you could change it to a solo show or you could do back, go back and forth. So let's talk about prep. Like what kind of prep would you recommend someone do to make sure that the interview show goes well?
1: Well, I, I would send them the KFD worksheet, which I do, you know, at the end of the show, what do you want the audience to know? What do you want them to feel? What do you want them to do? And sometimes them just taking on that worksheet, they go back and they say, you know, and by the way, we'll get everybody a copy of the worksheet. I'll, I'll tell you how to do that at the end of this. And no, no email addresses, no nothing. Just take the worksheet, make it happen. Better podcasts. we all win. You know, we send that note like, man, I never thought about that. When I had one person said, you know, Paul, really, I wanted them to know how cool I was, and that's really not that good for your audience, is it? I'm like, nope. You know, I wanted them to feel you, you know, honored yeah. to be in my presence. That's really not that good for the audience, is it? Nope. Right. And I wanted them to buy my stuff, but all I wanted them to do was feel good about being in my presence. They're really not going to buy my stuff, are they? Nope. So this no feel do is really viable. There's a guy named Dan Sullivan. He runs an organization called Strategic Coach. He has a thing called the impact filter, and you can search for that online. Dan does nine podcasts, by the way. Wow. And the way he does nine podcasts is he sends out an impact filter for every single episode. And you don't even get to talk to him unless the impact filter is done out. That's his property, not mine. So I can certainly, you know, link to it and recommend it, but that's another way to do it. And some of the best shows I've done, I've had this amazing impact filter and I've gone, okay, this is what I'm going to do. No fill, doofs, quick way to do it. Send that to him. It really, really helps. And when Shaleen calls and says, Paul, I want you to give me all the new stuff that you haven't talked about anywhere else. Now I had an outline. When it's the come on my show bit, it doesn't work. And Mike, You know, you and I were texting back and forth about something else. Like, hey, come on the show. I'm like, yeah. And then you're like, pre-interview, we're going to figure out what we're talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, we spent more time talking about what we were going to talk about than we were talking about what we're talking about because Mike wants to serve the audience. So the pre-interview is solid. The what are we going to do? What's the bullet? What's the outline? All these things are really helpful. And Mike made me sound better than I should have by doing this. So in serving his audience and Mike, remember how you started I mean, I've got the notes. There's like eight pages of them. You told me exactly. These are marketers, not business owners. You told me they work for businesses that, you know, you gave me this exact understanding of who your audience was by doing the pre-call. It's fantastic.
0: By the way, to you business owners, we know some of you are business owners, but (laughs) most of you are not.
1: Not all. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'll just tell briefly, I do this with every one of my guests, especially if they're new to the show, You know, even Seth Godin I've done it with, Gary Vee I've done it with. So just about everybody who hates preparation, I do it with. Yeah. (laughs) And the reason why is because, first of all, I want them to understand who exactly the audience is that they're going to be in front of. Secondly, I want them, we try to pre-negotiate, if you will, a topic that is a match for Paul and is a match for you that are listening. Because I want to make sure that we hit it out of the park and we deliver exactly what I know you're interested in learning. Then I explain to them, all right, we're going to start with this kind of question and this kind of question, and then we're going to go into these types of questions. And I ask the guest, all right, when you talk about these things, what are the things you're going to talk about so I can track where you are? And that allows me to bring them back on track when we go off track and allows me to know if they've skipped something. It also creates a better relationship. So many of the new guests that are on my show, I've met for the first time when I did the pre-interview, but when I interview them, it's as if we've always known each other. And that just makes it so much better for you, the guest. So I know that, that I am an anomaly. I've been told by so many people that most podcasters do not do this. But I think everyone should do this if you're new and you're starting an interview show, because it's going to increase the likelihood you're going to have a great show, which is going to increase the likelihood someone's going to want to listen and they're going to want to share it. Right, Paul?
1: Yep. Yeah. And you can tell people, I mean, anybody who's listening this far is like, man, and Paul did their homework. I'm better off for it. Exactly what we want. By the way, the no feel and do for this episode. <laughs> the no feel and do. No, I wanted everybody to know that they can build a podcast that serves an audience while seeing real ROI. I wanted them to feel inspired to be part of or advertise on a show that serves the audience. And by the way, either side interviewing on a show that serves anybody now who's going to about to be on some other show is going to wonder where the pre-show is or wonder where the KFD worksheet is or that kind of thing when you feel inspired. And then D, I want want you to spend a few minutes on some of these worksheets to see what's next for you. That's my KFD for this episode.
0: Perfect. So Paul, why don't you tell everybody where they can discover more about you? You mentioned a sheet that you wanted to give them or something. So where do you want to send them?
1: Yeah, I got a couple. So if you head out to podcastpartnership.com, and that's that's one. We are your podcast partnership. Podcastpartnership.com forward slash SME. And I got a bunch of things there waiting for you. And by the way, I'm not going to ask for your email address. If you want to sign up for the newsletter, you can, but that will be an option, uh, not the requirement. First is that report on consumption and why podcasting is so different. Mike, you're part of it. You donated some numbers a couple of years ago. Still just a a fantastic report on really looking at the numbers of why podcasting has that intimacy that we talked about at the beginning of this. Got an article about changing your podcast based on looking on your numbers. I've got a thing called the interview calculator. And it's just a PDF. It's as you're looking at interviews, trying to figure out the value of an interview, very solid the four questions worksheet those four questions we talked about got a little worksheet for you and I got the KFD worksheet and uh, please use this and distribute it to others it's it's yours to use you have my permission you know don't don't put your name on it or anything but the KFD worksheet my gift and then um, I've got something kind of special that I'm not going to define here which is um, that little tease to get you to go out to podcastpartnership.com forward slash SME Paul if they
0: want to connect with you on the socials do you have a favorite platform
1: I'm really enjoying Twitter these days
0: what's your Twitter handle
1: Culligan, C-O-L-L-I-G-A-N. Just Culligan. Okay, cool. Yeah. Paul
0: Culligan, thank you so much for coming on and uh, demystifying what it takes to get into podcasting. I really, really appreciate it, my man.
1: Thanks for having me on, man.
0: if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you. Simply head on over to socialmediaexaminer.com slash 477. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow this show. And if you've been a long time listener, would you let your friends know about this? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.